With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 44, the Stephen Camper episode of season two of the Bruins and Bruins podcast, a the Hockey Podcast Network podcast presented by Bruins Diehards, sponsored by DraftKings and by DieHardBostonSportsFans.com. Hey, are you a diehard Boston sports fan? Well, Bruins and Bruins is sponsored by diehard Boston sports fans. They have merchandise up for grabs, including a brand new black and gold till I'm dead and cold t-shirt, which we will be tweeting out at some point. We all just got our shirts. Uh, get yourself one today using promo code Bruise at diehardbostonsportsfans.com. That's code Bruise at diehardbostonsportsfans.com. Basketball season won't be around forever, so get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, assist, and more means so much more with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup on the line. So... What are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in on all the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN. You can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Only at DraftKings, minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for more details. Uh, this is where I'd usually ask for someone else to talk, but I don't have Chris and Cam, but I do have Nick. Nick, do you want to introduce yourself since I am, I'm now completely winded from that intro? Give yourself a little refreshment by drinking a beer. Hello mm. folks. How's it going? Nice intro. Uh, Nick Lanciani, if you, if you listen to this podcast, you know who he is. I've been uh, on so many times at this point that there's honestly, almost no introduction necessary. Probably the most, you've probably been the, the, most frequent guest on I've got the chart right here if you're wondering. wondering this is my eighth appearance eighth that appearance first in the lead uh there are a couple people tied with three appearances and then a few more with two so there you go Damn. and, and Drew, you actually have that i have that in front of me that's true you've been on this 77 times chris has been on <laughs> 73 times and cam not pulling up his weight 65 times out of the number of episodes released prior to this appearance so congrats on the 78th i guess <laughs> that's amazing once we get to 82 then we have to start a new season <laughs> it's how but, it works uh, in a video game 
Uh, that's amazing because we're still waiting on you to do a peer review one, which is a tall demand, and I don't actually <laughs> expect you to do that. But... I've got nothing going on. I just finished painting the other day for someone, so now I have absolutely nothing to do. Oh yeah, I saw that painting on Instagram. The uh, is it, it the uh, the the meth bear one? It is, and uh, you'll probably be seeing it more on the internet soon. So nice. I love that. You also painted the Seattle Krakens logo when they first entered the league. I did. Um, what else have you painted? Because you paint a lot of hockey stuff. I think I've painted like 10 teams at this point now. Um, I just did the Anaheim Ducks the other day. That one was fun because I have an actual oh, yeah. gold paint that's shiny and stuff, which <laughs> it got me started thinking. I was like, oh, after I do all 32 teams, I could do all 32 teams, but in gold. <laughs> or I got two of them knocked out because you know nice. Anaheim and Vegas, but uh, you know, never know. If I keep not being employed, I uh, might just become a starving artist, unlike what my grandmother has always feared. <laughs> well, there you go. No, I encourage it. One of my professors told me you might as well just kind of follow the art. Don't get caught up in all the noise. Um, Except this time around when I was making the bear, I uh, let's just say I didn't do so well the first, second time around. Because I've done it before. I made it for my brother for Christmas one year. And then someone was like, yo, can you do that again? I was like, yeah, you know, it only took me six hours last time. But this time around, <laughs> I'll just breeze through it. I know how I did it the last time. No, no, never do that. Nope. Art takes time. So mm -hmm. uh, I quickly grabbed another canvas and started a second time, third time over. This one looks a lot better, all I'm saying. Yeah, definitely got to take your time with it. Um, Remember that picture of like Jesus or something that a few years ago, <laughs> they were like, oh, you know, someone tried to restore it and they failed to use the wrong like turpentine or something. And so it went looking from like Jesus to like basically Jesus as a Muppet. That's basically how the second one was coming along. <laughs> um, well, do you want to introduce what you're drinking? And you know the scales. It's really not Nick's part of what we call the bullpen, which is just uh, friends of the pod who we always love having on. And it's great because uh, I don't feel like I need to explain scales to you or anything like that. <laughs> the bullpen, otherwise known as emergency backup goaltender in hockey. But, you know, mm -hmm. uh, this is a new Orthodox India Pale Ale series, Boss Tweed, double I IPA, because, you know, that's kind of in the name. Uh, it's a 9.3%. So that means by the end of this episode, I will be shut off for the night. There and I've, I've had it one other time before. This is all I had in the fridge tonight. So it's got 37 all around in flavor, taste, and drinkability. Nice. Nice, nice. I myself have a strum along. Did you do tasteability? Did I cut you off of tasteability? I mean, everything's a 37 at this point. I yeah, always go okay. with 37s because all beer is beer to me. And I you have, have a, do you have a 37 jersey there or a 33? I see a oh, three. This, so. this does happen to be Patrice. I wore it to correspond with the jersey for tonight. Hell yeah. No, what a great game. Uh, before we get to that, I'm drinking a, uh, a Mass Appeal hard uh, cider. I almost said seltzer uh, from Storm Along. Uh, you know, cider brewing. Uh, they, they're out of uh, Lemonster and Sherborne, Massachusetts. Sure, I know where those places are. Um, so, yeah. Shouts Johnny Appleseed. 
it, it's cool. So they have on the back Macintosh and Golden Delicious apples is what they use with it. Um, and then they have a scale here. I'll do this so lens so you can see it. But they have a scale, and it's not coming into focus. <laughs> I was gonna say, but uh, it uh, goes from dry, medium dry, medium sweet, and sweet. And this one is marked directly in the middle. Um, nice. So for drinkability, well, I'll go with this the slogan: highly drinkable and perfectly balanced, juicy, tart, and semi-sweet. Uh, I believe all those hit home because this for a cider, sometimes ciders can feel pretty damn heavy. I mean, I had one right before this and th this is my second of the night. But um, so far, uh, you can drink them fairly quickly for a cider for me. So I'm going to go drinkability as a nice 35. Um, and tasteability, super sweet, uh, you know, comparison to beer. I'm trying to drink more seltzers uh, as, a, as a gluten free boy. But <laughs> we're all my gluten-free homies the popular crowd. <laughs> um, but yeah, so tasteability. Gonna go with a thirty-seven on that one. Well, it's great because you know, like five years ago in college, when I was like, I can buy things. I uh, <laughs> I mostly just went with the hard cider route for a solid uh, semester. Yeah, let's say a year, but it was mostly just a semester. I wisened <laughs> up going into senior year. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a point in time in college where I, I finally wisened up, and <laughs> and for actually, true, that was freshman year. I mean, yeah. no, twenty one, twenty one. That was more junior year. Well, it took two years off in the middle, but I'm about to graduate. There you Hell go, yeah. big man two on campus. That's no longer on campus. So pumped. Yeah, yeah. I know. I've been on campus in a little bit. But uh, anyway, anyway, Bruins won tonight. Preemptive congrats. A fucking amazing 4 nothing win over the Rangers. Not that the game mattered too much. I mean, the Rangers are eliminated. Bruins are in. Neither team really needed this, except the Bruins kind of needed this. You know, if they can win out the rest of the season, there's a chance that they could finish probably behind Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important definitely, too, in a sense that it, you want to be building confidence going into the playoffs. You want to be building some momentum. And I think it, in terms of confidence, Jake DeBrus scoring is probably huge boost. More, probably the most notable <laughs> event in the game, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's like what in the last goal. game when everyone was freaking out about Sean Corrali. You know, he scored mm -hmm. and everyone was like, that was great. And then the last play <laughs> that was made when the go overtime goal happened, people were like, oh, man, he just can't catch a break. Guy's a second half of the season player. Give him a little more time. <laughs> DeBrusque might just be that sort of case right now. I mean, he's coming in like right in time. I mean, it was his fifth of the season, um, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fifth is his fifth of the season. Uh, and, you know, they've been really needing that. He's becoming, We, uh, I think it was Chris who said on the last episode, he's slowly becoming one of those, like, uh, what Frank Vitrano was, what, uh, what Carson Kuhlman is right now, <clears throat> what Trent Frederick is right now, what Anders Bjork was in the sense that he's expendable. You can bring in another guy. He's slowly kind of falling towards that role player. Um, but how many more times do you want to trade that guy and then have them go on to do well elsewhere? Exactly. And I think out of all those guys, Jake DeBrusque has the best upside. That's why he's played on the second line a bunch. That's why uh, he's still on the team. Yeah, exactly. Um, and usually in the starting lineup, uh, 
And it, it's really great to see this. And you hope it's something that's going to continue because, I mean, sometimes you just need to get some puck luck. Sometimes you just need to, like, be fortunate to have that scoring opportunity and to be able to finish it. I mean, it was one that kind of trickled in. The goaltender got a piece of it. Um, but, you know, you get enough of it to go in and that can really that can really spark something. That's that's puck luck working in the right way for you right there. <clears throat> exactly. I mean, as he was coming into the league with David Krejci as a, when he, it was his first year and, uh, you know, people were like, I don't know, is he looking good or not? I mean, to me, he's had the makings of this guy can be a pure goal scorer. I don't know what else he might be able to do. He might be a bit more like Mike Hoffman in that sense, but he can make the two-way game, you know, every now and then, more so than Mike Hoffman ever can. Sorry, St. Louis. But uh, <laughs> to me, it just seems like... Never never say sorry to St. Louis. It's okay. After the cup. No. This is true. I have the program <laughs> on the floor next to me. Uh, this is. It's just one of those things where it's like, you know, I get why people are mad that, oh, he hasn't had it this year, but he's still young. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's only like two years younger than I am. So his prime really isn't until about now, but mm-hmm. realistically through about 30, 31 years old. Taylor Hall, who is 29 last I checked, is right in his prime. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're starting to see what could be in Hall's case if he sticks around with Boston longer than this season. And especially considering the fact that he's never made it out of the first round. He's only been in the playoffs twice and he was drafted way back in 2010. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is sometimes you need to be a little bit more patient with players. Obviously, you have to take into account this year has been unlike any other year, given the 56-game schedule, given the pandemic, given the, hey, you can't go anywhere on the road trip. You're either on the bus, you're at the hotel, you're at the rink. Nothing else. And for some players that haven't had as much of a support system, I know he's got a great relationship with his dad, but in terms of you know anyone among his own age, there just might not be the same level of affection going around that you might get in a normal season. Mm-hmm. So this is a huge game for him. I'm happy for him. I'd love to see more of it. I also acknowledge that, you know, the highest you could possibly be is on the third line right now because you yeah. have the Bergeron line and Krejci finally playing with a winger. No offense to yeah. Jake Ruskin years past, but I mean, Taylor Hall and Craig Smith are not being moved at this point. Oh, for sure. It's just, it's like the old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like you can't mess up anything in those first, uh, those top two lines right now, because they are both clicking really well. And really the, the problem to solve is like how you rearrange the bottom six to exactly. produce the most as you can. And that's a, this is another good point in the season to do that. Um, to really make like juggle those like, Cassidy loves juggling the lines middle of the he game. Does randomly just like, all right, I'm going to toss Pasternak with Krejci now. Well, they don't need to do that anymore because the first two lines are clicking so well. You don't want to mess with the algorithm. But Sometimes it gets the, annoying like that. Yeah. <laughs> like in the bottom six, sure, try it. I mean, like, yes, the games matter in terms of placement, but like at the same time, it you know, it got it solidified right now. It's not going to be a huge factor, I don't think. I mean, do, do we have the playoff configuration like set out? Are they doing bubble? Or are they visiting stadiums? So that's, that's a great thing. The million-dollar question back in the day of old game shows uh, <laughs> is that we don't know. The league hasn't really said. We're assuming it might be a smart idea to do a bubble if you know 
things aren't going so well in Canada. It all depends on how players are being vaccinated. A bunch of the players in the States have at least received one shot. We know the Bruins are going to get their second shot sometime during the first round, likely. So that comes into play. Because you have seven teams in Canada, they're a little bit behind things, which just a quick reminder to American listeners to you know be exceptionally grateful for the times that we're in right now. If you've gotten your vaccine, you're a lot further ahead than most of the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And yes, we'd all like to get back to doing stuff, but like we, we just have to be mindful and ultimately accept the fact that we are a bit better off. And uh and and less in politics, more so in hockey. Uh <laughs> Canada, they just have to figure out like, okay, are we staying here? Are we doing a bubble here? Are we not? What's that gonna look like? Do we just let the teams play within their own home rinks? Because mm-hmm. yeah, there's gonna be fewer teams playing at that point. There'll still be four Canadian teams, which is technically over half of them because you can't have three and a half teams, but whatever. And the rest of the league, you know, it's it's kind of just going to be normal in a sense. The garden will be at 25% capacity seating. You know, as, as long as they're not the Texas Rangers at this point, it's it's fine, kind I, of. I think it, it's... <clears throat> I think that it's going to be fine in the United States for them to do home and away. And they're going to want to do that because the revenue, I mean, they're already selling playoff tickets. Actually, the Bruins were right. So that indicates to me that, you know, that's what the route is going to go. But it'll be interesting to see for those Canadian teams, if they decide to do a bubble in, you know, the North division uh, up until, you know, the finals. But you just put everyone in Toronto because everyone liked that a lot better than Edmonton last year or. You could do that, probably. <laughs> I mean, but at the same time, are you selling tickets to the? I mean, they are, they aren't. They are, it's still empty stadiums up there, so they won't. Be, but that's probably a major sway in it too. You know, the North Division isn't having fans in the stands, uh, but all the American teams are. So, um, but would if that you're make a Canadian it owner? Would you want your team playing in say Buffalo and you sell tickets? And it would be unlike any other normal game in buffalo that's like when montreal but you know that's a, you get your revenue somehow yeah that's a very good point and also then there's not this big thing like okay for the next like the the uh semifinals and then finals you're coming across the canadian border into the united states that requires some quarantining based on restrictions so everyone is ideally thinking oh by july it will be a lot different well, by July, you better hope no Canadian teams in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, <laughs> I got news for you. It's probably not going to be by July that things will be a lot different. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I forget what started that, that the game doesn't matter that much. <laughs> Ultimately, yeah. Tonight's game, it, it matters little in the sense that, you know, the Rangers, they've obviously been eliminated. The Bruins, if they can have just an ideal matchup, I mean, a week ago, I would have said, yeah, you want to play Pittsburgh. So if you finish like third and you play them second and third, like who really cares about home ice advantage at this point? But now it's kind of looking like Pittsburgh's going to finish ahead of Washington. So maybe you want to have, you know, maybe you just lose the rest of the season and you play Pittsburgh in the first round. I don't know. Maybe you like the matchup with Washington, but maybe you want to have home ice over as a Daniel Chara. In that case, win out the rest of your games and finish second. I don't know. <laughs> Everything is separated by like four points at this point. So mm-hmm. it's super close right now. Best of luck to all the East teams. Um, 
One last note on DeBrusque. 100% in the face-off tonight, tonight. One for one. You love to see it. Love to fucking see it. Best I love centerman it in even the more so when there's a defender that takes a face-off. And it's the only face-off they take an entire season. And then you look back over the years, the 10 years of data, and you're like, there's one a face-off 100% of the time. <laughs> In 2009-10. And then it affects when you try to forecast stuff. Because they'll be like, there's a 2% chance they could win a face-off if they take it this year. It's like, yeah, but they play defense, though. <laughs> what? At what point do you bring a defenseman in to take the face? I guess maybe on like a three-on-three? And you get kicked out of the dot? Like, uh, yeah. If you're otherwise winded If yeah. a bunch of guys are suddenly injured, if you have six guys in the penalty box because you're playing the New York Rangers and you're the Washington Capitals and mm-hmm. there's a reason why there's six guys in the penalty box, you know, then you might I do have want to get, take a face off. I do want to get to that game at some point. Because um, it did impact tonight's performance. The Rangers, did. if anyone didn't notice, they uh, they were kind of bad because it was the second night of a back-to-back for them. So exactly, expect something different Saturday. Uh, but quickly, I wanted to touch upon, uh, well, Brandon Carlos scored. I guess that's a note yes. to make, at least. At the very least, that's a note to make. Brandon Carlos scored, um, which is always great to see. I'm always very happy about that. Whenever that man scores, he just deserves it. He's such, I don't think underappreciated at this point, Bruin, because people do really appreciate him. He is it's like just, an Adam McQuaid, but a little bit better in terms of all around exa- stuff exactly he he holds down that second pair really well no matter who they've tossed it i mean for a while it was krug and that was an amazing pair uh uh, carlo and krug but yeah just always great to see him score (laughs) and back to cassidy changing things all the time you know at the time of the starting lineups being released it was lozon mcavoy grizzlick and carlo and then like two minutes into the game it quickly became grizzlick and mcavoy lozon with miller and then Riley and Carlo, like, it's Bruce, you did it again. <laughs> Bruce, you did it again. Um, and speaking of doing it again, Patrice Bergeron. Pat- wow. <laughs> I was trying to say Patrice Bergeron and Charlie Coyle. Um, That's only one and a half ciders down, folks. It's not even Charlie Coyle. It's Charlie McAvoy. Wow. See, all right, Chris and Cam listening to this, see what happens when you leave me alone that I have <laughs> charge of the podcast. See what happens when you have to make him deal with me. No, Just dealing with you notes. is fine because I can rely on you, which is great. <laughs> I can rely on your knowledge to help carry the episode. It's not much up here. I don't know what you're thinking. There is. There's more than me at the very least. <laughs> yeah, I at least knew that Charlie Coyle was out of the lineup tonight with an upper body injury, but the there Bruins had go. tweeted that out like three different times. So there you go. I, I noticed you don't have notifications turned on. I noticed he wasn't playing, but I had no clue it was an upper body injury. So there you go. Um, day to day. But uh, Patrice and Charlie, also known as hashtag Bruins Chuck Norris, um, both scoring the Charlie McAvoy goal was just the perfect example of luck uh, and some unfortunate luck too. I mean, one defenseman lost their stick and then Rooney took a puck to the face. Um, so it essentially Every became a, a five on two and a half with one of them without their stick. Um, and I mean, Charlie McAvoy just with a clapper basically from the top of the slot 
Um, and that's one of those examples too, I think, of looking for confidence. Like, it, I mean, obviously these this Ranger team, as you mentioned, you know, they're coming off a back to back and a gruesome back to back. Um, but you can still kind of show that you can. All right, I can take a six slap shot from the top of the slot and score. Like you, those things, as they stack up, kind of keep in mind and, and build yeah. some confidence. Slowly. Good night for guys that kind of needed goals at this point. Uh, not mm-hmm. that McAvoy has been offensively deficient but it's nice to see him score once in a while and same goes for brandon carlo it's few and far between but hey he got his third tonight <laughs> that's more than probably the last two seasons and then of course jake debrusque who we all know has been in a bit of a cold streak or slump or whatever you want to call it but those things happen he'll come back out of it at some point and then Patrice Bergeron scoring, which is just the... It's just hot always in every sense of the word. Just, yeah, it's the erection line trademarked by the Bruce and Bruins podcast. Um, just, yeah, just... I don't even think I need to say more about that. It's just that. Um, but yeah, no, I do I do want to touch upon the Rangers and Capitals game. Um, especially sure the first about five minutes Tom of Wilson. that. Uh, yeah, Tom Wilson's going to come up. Uh, Department of Player Safety is going to come up. The Rangers statement um, is going to come up. So I guess we'll start there with the Rangers statement um, and also the firings that happened. Um, but yeah, I, what do you think about the statement? Because I feel like I think their hearts were in the right place, but by calling out Peros himself, I'm not sure if that was the right move, and that's why they wound up getting fined uh, $250,000. But I mean, like, finally, someone said it, though. So exactly. That. Yeah. And I, I just think, like, you know, calling it out and then calling out Paros himself out is a little different. I think if you call out the department and li- if you just, if they left his name out of it, I don't think it's that hefty of a fine that they get. But I always like to when people are like, you know, why are they calling out Brendan Shanahan from like 10 years ago at this point? It's like, well, who else works in that department? It's literally one person, you know, maybe like two or three other people that look at video in Toronto. And exactly. Like, you might need to look at that tomorrow. Call him in here real quick. But uh, I don't I don't really care. People were making a big deal of this statement. I'm glad that the Rangers felt like, hey, we need to do this, especially since. You know, Wilson did that thing, and then the team did whatever they did for a tweet, which that brings up a whole other ethics of social media managers and content stuff discussions, which, first of all, they're not interns. They are real people. And yeah, I get when people are like, you know, sometimes we just get told to tweet this and we, we have to, even though we say no and you're going to get flamed. And I always like to mention that in any job, you can always say no. And yeah, you might get fired for that. But if that is, you know, your ethics and conscious and things, then by all means, just, you know, don't, don't do what you don't want to do because that's a good thing to remember in life because, uh, <laughs> you know, when, when you go from, Oh, it's just a tweet to, Oh, well, you know, Milgram experiment style stuff. Well, you're not responsible. I'll take responsibility. Then you get into a messy road, road of things. So ethics class on the Bruce and Bruins podcast, but anyway, uh, <laughs> But but by all means, you know, Washington, that was a dumb tweet. And then the Rangers, they come out with this statement, which I'm like, my initial reaction is, okay, finally somebody said it. But also, what? Like, what? Mm -hmm. Because you know (laughs) that they're going to get fined and everyone collectively forgot and then remembered that James Dolan is their owner. You know, they, they remember that, oh, the New York Knicks, the New York Knicks are a mess for a reason. 
because ownership gets too involved there. The New York Rangers were mostly left untouched. It was, yeah, sign the check on Panarin. He's got like 10 million, whatever salary. It'll be good. It'll be good. Just, just go for it. Yeah. Richest team in the NHL. We can do it. And now all of a sudden there's a statement where it's like, okay, you know, you're about to get fined a bunch of money, right? Which isn't a problem for a billionaire. Cool. But then the <laughs> follow through to that is that the GM and the team president didn't want to sign off on that. So then they get fired regardless of whether or not it's actually connected here pretty much is but you know mm. with or without saying that it is or isn't it's just insanity just a lot going on in the front office and doesn't bode well for your team i mean i know uh quinn's the, the head coach quinn is his you know, job is kind of on the hot seat just because there's a change in management and the direction, the momentum that's now going with firings. The last like four or five years, they haven't really progressed that much, but they're in a rebuild. That's the thing Mm. about all of that, where the Knicks come back into it. It's like, did anyone tell Mr. Dolan at the start of the season? Hey, we've been rebuilding. We might make the playoffs. We might not, but forward progress is still progress. Nonetheless, next season, We'll, we'll be in it. We got, you know, like this is a year where we'll really test some people and they all either live up to it, prove it, fall back on it. They got off to a slow start. They rebounded from it. But given the short tenure of the schedule, it was like, you know, no one's really going to be the 2019 St. Louis Blues this year. Sorry, New York Rangers. <laughs> you just don't have enough in the gas tank left over to make it happen. So if you have any understanding of that, then you know, okay, this is a weird year. Next year is when they either make it or they don't make it. And then you make a change. Mm -hmm. You went ahead because, you know, loyalty or whatever. And now you start to wonder and worry. I know we're making a Bruins podcast or Rangers podcast, but if you're a Rangers fan, you have to worry about this team potentially imploding Mm -hmm. because yeah, Chris Drury is great and all, but he did not build this team. Jeff exactly. Gordon did that, and and he should be hired immediately by almost anyone else at this point. Isn't Gordon on as like an advisor now? No, he oh. was just kicked out entirely. They there was like, someone that they said on the Glenn uh... Sather, who was previously GM before Gordon. He's back in some sort of advising. Oh, okay, okay. It's a, another. It's like one of those emeritus type things. No one oh. really understands <laughs> it, but hey, you worked there for like fifty years, so good on you. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so that's why I was confused because I, a former GM had, I thought it was the former GM via the firing. Um, but I did like Chris Drew as a player, part. though. So I wish him the best. Yeah, hopefully it, hopefully it works out. Honestly, hopefully it works out over there because they do have a very talented team, talented young team at that, um, that is only going to get better if they. Stay pretty stagnant, maybe make a couple moves, but they have so much potential over there. Stay the course, don't course correct and be like, we got to be like the 2011 Canucks. Everyone said we weren't tough enough, so now we sign all the tough guys, and then, whoops, the kings of all teams swept them in the first round as the eighth seed. And then that eighth seed went to win the cup, but that's for later in the story. The point being, don't be the Canucks in 2012. Mm -hmm. You're the Rangers who haven't even made the Stanley Cup final since 2014. Don't be the Canucks in 2012. Um, but yeah, the, the response from the Rangers to the Tom Wilson, uh, all that shit, basically. Shit is what it all was <laughs> to sum it up. Um, I, I love that. A nice little fight. Well, three of them. 
off the uh, off the face off one second into the game. Um, and then there was some more extracurricular activities, a couple more fights, and then there's six guys uh, per team in the box, which is always a funny image. Whenever there's more than three guys in the penalty box, there yeah, it always makes for a good photo. Yeah, a lot of social distancing in there, for sure. You know, it, when everyone's like, oh my God, so many fights. What did you expect? I mean, they put George Peros there to be like, oh, you know, like no funny business happening tonight, right? Because you will get a suspension now after the fact when they should have made a suspension before. And then what did anyone expect? Honestly, they both teams put out their fourth line. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's Calgary and Vancouver from like 2015. I'm surprised that four other people on the ice weren't dropping the gloves at that point in time mm-hmm. because everyone else was. I was, really hoping, it. I was really hoping the defenseman also went at it. I was really, really hoping it was going to be a 5v5. You know, um, it reminded me a lot of when Matt Cook, who of course has talked about things and everyone's either on the side of I don't want to hear him have to say anything or yeah, he's got a point, but like, <laughs> look at what he did. <laughs> when Matt Cook hit Mart Savard in 2010 and had no suspension. And then the first game back in Boston on March 18th and Sean Thornton fought Cook. Andy Brickley was the one to say it on the broadcast. He was like, well, if they're not going to suspend him, make them go the other way with it. You know, like just beat him up basically, which vigilante justice again, ethics class, <laughs> not ideal but in in the hockey sense when people talk about the code it's just hilarious to me because hockey has always said fighting or fisticuffs or the exchange of whatever way back in the day if fisticuffs wasn't even a word in the 1800s <laughs> has always been a penalty so this whole thing about oh but the code yeah the code is technically illegal according to the rule book now don't get me wrong that doesn't mean i'm against fighting I'm for fighting in the right sense. When Tom Wilson pulls a stupid fight, when a player makes a big hit and you don't like it. Okay. I can understand it. Sometimes it's not always great Mm -hmm. when it's stage. Don't do that. When it's start the game with like six fights at one time, again, probably not ideal, but in this case, I make an exception for it. Yeah. The NHL has been so lucky since the days of Bill Masterton, which I understand was not a, a malicious intent sort of thing, but they've been so lucky since then to not have another death or have an, a spinal injury or anything else that is that severe to the point where they don't know if the guy on the ice is going to live or die. And Tom Wilson goes and does what he does. And that's why mm-hmm. there's a problem that I have with Tom Wilson, because you need to sit him out for 41 games. You need to sit him out for a season. You, he can make all the money he wants. I don't care if they don't find the player in addition to the suspension. I don't care if they do suspended with pay. If they don't play, that's more effective at mm-hmm. making them know you can make four million bucks by doing nothing. Your team may or may not win without you. Or if you want to be playing and still making the four million bucks, maybe you should change your ways. Maybe, maybe yeah. just a little bit. Maybe just call a that little temper. Bit. Just, just a little bit. Yeah, I That's wrote, where I have a big issue. I wrote an article for the hockey writers at one point a couple of years ago now, um, but it was about headshots and I guess suppose dirty plays of that nature, but mainly focusing around headshots um, and how I think they really do. The league really does need to have stricter 
suspensions, really hefty suspensions, uh, especially to repeat offenders in order to really get it through. Like you said, 41 games. Yeah, no, throw it out there because you see like my in that article, my biggest comparison was the NFL who will suspend suspend a player two weeks. Like, okay, that's two out of 16 games in a season. You suspend an NHL player two games. There's still 80 other games in the season. Uh, typically anyway, obviously this year is different, but it like, you got to be heftier than that. If you really want to get through to a player, like sure. One or two games of first offense. Yeah. You'll learn. But if you're a guy like Tom Wilson or you were a, a guy like Brad Marshawn was, um, then yeah, you deserve heftier fines. And that's the thing people love to come to whenever they know, like, Oh, your suspensions. Boston, by the way. They're like, <laughs> Oh, you know, like you like Marshawn. It's like, Marshan has never really tried to kill a guy. You know, yeah, like, yeah exactly. there have been dumb things he's done. Licking people mm-hmm. again wasn't against the rules then. Now it is. <laughs> and I, I get it. It's weird. Don't entirely like it, but hey, again, I love auto racing in, in that they're always looking for ways that technically aren't illegal until it becomes illegal. So, you know, fine, no big deal. He's doing something that's ultimately harmless. In the sense that he didn't throw a guy to the ice without the helmet. You know, like there's there's so many things that frustrate me about what Tom Wilson did because people fail to see at its bare minimum. It could have been another Ace Bailey and Eddie Shore type of incident where we're saying, oh, gee, someone's in the hospital now and we don't know if they're going to survive. And oh, it also just happens to be Artemi Panarin, one of the biggest superstars, not just of the New York Rangers, but possibly of the entire game currently. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't have to matter if they're the first line player or fourth line player. There is a level of respect and a line that was crossed. And I like to reference this book that I'm holding in my hands here for anyone that's tuning in. But if, if you're just listening to the podcast, I'll tell you that's written by Ken Dryden. And it's called Game Change, the life and death of Steve Monodore and the future of hockey. Steve Monodore, of course, former Boston Bruin defender and uh, friends with Andrew Ferentz for many years that died because of CTE at the age of 35 and uh you know there's the nhl at some point it's my belief at some point hopefully sooner than later they'll acknowledge hey cte and concussions they're connected you know science because science actually says Mm -hmm. that it costs them a lot more money to go with legal settlements and to pay for not excuse me let me not misspeak on that one it costs them a lot more money to pay their lawyers to fight settling than to just go with the legal settlements. So I ultimately come back to this book mostly just because, you know, Ken Dryden proposes many different things that the game could do. He talks about, you know, maybe we reinstitute the two-line rule. Two-line pass, you can't have that. It was before the 2005-2006 season for anyone that's young out there. <laughs> it slows the game down in the neutral zone. I personally would hate if they re-implemented that, but they can do other things. Like at bare minimum, making any head contact like the international game. It's not going to do anything for fighting. It's just going to be, hey, if you hit a guy in the head, it's a penalty. A minor at least, a major at most. Get rid of the review of, oh, it's a five-minute major. Oh, no, we overreacted. Everyone overreacted on Twitter to the San Jose and Vegas <laughs> thing, so now we have to review every five-minute major and reduce it to a two-minute minor so that we don't look like the bad guy here. If you truly want to change the culture of something... Mm-hmm. and actually change it so um, on what you said on the the two-line pass i think that was 
very annoying. I remember that. But I think that was a solution then because there were a lot more open ice hits back then. You don't see that. You don't see that now. And maybe part of that's because of the two-line pass rule kind of helped phase it out. But it's just a new era of hockey where the open ice hit doesn't happen a lot. But where people are, you know, getting these headshots from, it's a random dirty play like in the middle of like kind of not really an open ice hit, but kind of just catching a guy with your shoulder in the head, just making I won't want to say incidental contact because a lot of the time it's like you you could have accidentally were aware purpose, and could have avoided sort of that. Yeah. Um or, or it's along the boards with a hit from behind or just finishing a check along the boards and you sandwich a player's head between you and the boards. Um and if you really want to get rid of those, yeah, you need to be giving those hefty penalties and those hefty suspensions. And if not, you're going to see what you saw uh, in New York the other night where the players are policing the game themselves. And that's why right. fighting is, as you said, it's technically against the rules. It's, it's technically, technically illegal. I but don't have an issue with it, it, but it is against the rules. It's why it's a part of the game and there's a penalty for it other than getting thrown out of the game completely. It's because you need the players to police themselves. If the refs and if the league itself and the Department of Safety aren't going to step in, then then fighting's still going to have a role like that, and that kind of physical play is going to still have a role. Ultimately, um, I have like two major conclusions from this. When people want to look at the history of things and go, "Oh, well, you know, like Sean Thornton, you know, he he was a dirty player." No. Not, not for the most part in his tenure with Boston, except for the, the incident with Brooks Orpik, which if you go back on Twitter, I was on there. That was like the first full season that existed on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know if I ever tweeted about it or not, but you can ask my college roommate at the time. He'd tell you like, yeah, no, I did not like that. Mm-hmm. He should have been and was suspended for 15 games. Andrew Ference was someone who in 2010, 2011, after Daniel Pye made a hit to the head of a Dallas Stars forward, came out and said, in a very rare move for any NHL player, yeah, I didn't like what my teammate did. If we want to get that out of the game, we need to not do it ourselves, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, conclusion there, conclusion number one that's made in this paper is, um, <laughs> yeah, when, when someone goes over the line like this, it's just completely, my God, they mm-hmm. need to be done for 15 games at least. They need to be sitting out for some length of time as opposed to, oh, I just got $5,000 fine. It's no big deal. No, that is a big deal. You know, that, that guy could have just ended that other person's life. Exactly. And I get that sports and it's, oh, well, it's not assault because it's in a sport. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, sports ethics laws and stuff, you know, we'll save that for a college class somewhere. And the second thing that I just want to point out is for anyone that grew up watching the game in the 70s and 80s and they love it. And they, oh, you got to have the tough guys. You got to do this. You got to do that. The game has changed. Over the course of its 104-year NHL history alone, if not mm-hmm. further than that, in the 20s and 30s, well, it used to play out, been played outside. So. Yeah, <laughs> prior to like 1920, you couldn't pass the puck forward. Imagine mm-hmm. doing that these days. In the 20s and 30s, it was a weird scoring era. In the 50s and 60s, it was a lot of clutch and grab. It was the Gordie Howe. Oh, he got an elbow. Still, again, technically illegal, but Gordie Howe got away with it because, hey, he was Gordie Howe. He only had two mm-hmm. Gordie Howe hat tricks. Don't know if anyone knows that because that's a <laughs> trivia that gets mentioned every night. But in the 70s, it was the Flyers that were the first team that were like, hey, 
Let's get a bunch of guys that go out there and just bully the other team. Well, I got it. We'll be the Broad Street Bullies. And the Bruins quickly were like, hey, we could do that too. And then every team started doing that, which led to the 80s, which led to the 90s, which led to the New Jersey Devils deciding we're going to have, we're going to play the trap. We're going to reintroduce the clutch and grab style, except it's not really clutch and grab. It's just Scott Stevens scaring literally everyone on the ice <laughs> and potentially killing Paul Korea. But that's, you know, no big deal. From off the, the floor, off the on, floor the board. on the board, he's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. But you ultimately might need to find a guy like Paul Career or Mark Savard to be in charge of the Department of Player Safety. Mm-hmm. Someone yes. that's either played the game more recently and was not the thousand penalty minutes in their career player, but somewhere in the middle of the road. If they played a thousand games and they have 400 to 600 penalty minutes, that's probably the person I put in charge of that role. An average player that you say, okay. Was this good? Was this not good? And also, please keep in mind that the game is a lot faster than it was in the 90s and even in the 2000s. And so much has changed. You, you can't have this. You can't you have, have to evolve. some of the things that just keep going on and on because people say, well, in the 80s, you know, you have to play it this way. It's not 1980 anymore. Mm-hmm. It's 2021. A Gotta lot has evolve. changed. Got to evolve. Um, on that note, I think unless you got anything else, I'm gonna call it call it an episode. I do not. Now that my rants have all concluded. <laughs> well, where can we find you? Finished. Oh, you can yeah. find me yeah, on Twitter at Lancey53 because that hasn't changed in forever. And uh, you can find some of the stuff I do on downthefrozenriver.com, which yes, was directly inspired by when Jack describes clearing the puck down the river. I added frozen <laughs> to it because I don't want him coming at me, but hey, it is what it is. Like uh, many of Jack's great uh, catchphrases. I want to say catchphrases, but I think one tumbling of my favorites. Muffins. Tumbling muffin. One of my I, favorites. I like is to eat she- tumbling muffins for breakfast, but that's only because I drop them on the floor occasionally. I'm not awake <laughs> yet. One of my favorites is using his face as a punching bag, which he has pulled out multiple times. He used it for an Adam McQuaid fight, and then he used it very recently um, and I think a couple times in between those, uh, but literally a game or two ago, he used it. Um, one of my favorites. Every but, now and then I miss hearing squibbed it on TV from Doc Emmerich, but you know, Jack just, he fills the hole. Jack fills the hole. Uh, name of the episode is Jack fills the hole. All right. So <laughs> thank you for coming on, Nick. Thanks uh, for having me as always. You. As always, we appreciate it. Uh, you saved my ass this week for sure. So thank you for that. Um, yep. Bye bye, everybody. That's it. Ba da ba da ba ba da ba ba da.